Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Well, why a series on faith and hope? Well, we're doing a series on faith and hope because you're going to need faith and hope to reach God's best for you. If you want all that God has for you, if you want all that God has promised for you, if you want to reach the dreams and the purposes that he created you for, you're going to need to have faith and hope. Hebrews 11 is a very well-known verse, but I'd like us to look at it and look at what it reads. It says, now faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hope and faith. Hope expresses what we want to see happen tomorrow. Hope is the promise, the vision, the dream, or the image that we have in our mind and in our heart about the better future that we have tomorrow. Listen, I know that there may be some of you that you're going through some rough times. Maybe you've gone through a bad stretch. Maybe it's been a few bad years. But I want to encourage you through this series to let that hope come alive again. To let that hope, that desire, those dreams, that image, those ambitions that you had for a bright future come back into your life. Listen, hope, hope is birth from the best of God for our lives. Hope comes from that seed that God plants in our hearts, that God plants deep in us, that that propels us to go after all that God has for us. And faith, faith is what moves us towards attaining those things that we hope for. Faith is the action, is the feed to our hope. There's a really important quote that I want to share with you. And look at what it says. It says, faith is taking steps today that will guide me to the best of God for my future. Let me read that again. This is really good. I I would love for you to memorize that. Faith is taking steps today that will guide me to the best of God for my future. Now, I know what some of you may be wondering. Well, Pastor Nestor, what if I don't have that kind of faith? What if I lack the faith that helps me to take steps today towards the best that God has for me in my life? Well, then I want to tell you that today's message is specially for you. You know, faith is not measured by what you can see. But faith is measured by what you cannot see. Faith is living today with the certainty that what I cannot see today, I will see someday. Faith is being sure that what I have not achieved yet, I will achieve. And that's why we all need hope and faith. Now, did you know that God calls us to be people of faith? The Bible says that without faith, we cannot please God. In other words, God is pleased when we live, when we exercise, when we take steps of faith. So if faith pleases God, then it must be a goal of every person 
to grow and increase their faith. Which I know some of you are probably asking, well, how can faith be increased? Can it be increased? And if it can be increased, pastor, then how do we do that? Well, you know, if you got that kind of question, you're in good company. Because the 12 disciples of Jesus had the same question. And they were, they were blessed enough to be able to ask Jesus about it. Look at what Luke 17 verses 5 and 6 tells us. It says, the apostles said to the Lord, look at what they said to Jesus. Show us how to increase our faith. If they asked how can we increase our faith is because obviously they believed that their faith needed to increase and could be increased. So they asked, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, he says, if you, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, and if you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's really, really tiny. You could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Okay, let me stop right there just, and then I'm going to explain the context. Jesus said that if we had faith, we could tell a tree to move and it would obey. So listen, if you have faith, that can move trees, your faith can also move your kids, move your spouse. So that's just an extra, extra added bonus to you. But, you know, Jesus says this because in the previous verses, he had told his disciples that they needed to forgive 70 times seven. And what Jesus was saying by that number was saying, you need to forgive as many times as necessary. And and the disciples assumed that in order to be able to forgive, and you would agree with them, that in order to be able to forgive in such a way, you needed to have a great amount of faith. In order to forgive at that level, in order to forgive so constantly, great faith was required. And Jesus uses this moment to teach them that not only great faith has power, but here's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He says, all faith has power. Even small faith has power. And what Jesus would want you and I to know is that if you start with the faith you already have, you can take small steps of obedience, small steps of trust, small steps in believing, and you can grow your faith. You know, if you read the Gospels, you're going to find that Jesus often said stuff like, do you believe? Do you believe that I can heal you? And he would say stuff like, let it be done according to your faith. To a Canaanite woman, woman, he said, your faith is great. But there was one instance, there was one individual whose faith amazed Jesus. And I'd like us to look at it. It's found in Matthew 8, 10. And look at what this passage says. It says, when Jesus heard this, now what was it that Jesus heard? We're going we're gonna to look at it in just a minute. This is actually going to be our passage once we get into the application. When Jesus heard this, what this man had said, he was amazed. Now, let me stop right there again. We are used to hearing Jesus amaze people. But we are not used to seeing Jesus be amazed by people. But yet in this passage, we have a man who amazed Jesus. And it was his faith that amazed Jesus. So let's continue on that passage. It says, turning 
to those who are following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. In other words, Jesus was saying, listen, in my traveling, in my going from town to town and city to city, I have not seen this kind of faith, especially amongst those quote unquote, or to contextualize in our context, those who are believers. And you're going to know why in just a minute. Now, the faith of this individual amazed Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you. And I really, really believe this. In fact, I was praying before um, delivering this message. And this is one of the topics that I was praying about and that the Lord impressed me to pray. So when I tell you this, I want you to know that it's God saying it to you and not me. The faith of this man amazed Jesus. And you too can have a faith that amazes Jesus. I know you probably can't see yourself being that kind of person, but Jesus can. And I want to tell you that you can. And you might not be there now, but that's what this message is about. It's about you taking whatever faith you have, even as small as a mustard seed, and taking steps to increase it. And I want to help you do that today. Today, I want to share with you four practical ways to increase your faith. And uh, we're going to use that passage in Matthew chapter 8 of this man that we just read. We're not going to read all the verses, but I do want to ask you, and I want to give you a little bit of homework. Would you take some time this week to read this passage in its entirety sometime throughout the week? Maybe you could do it in your devotional. Maybe you could do it as a Bible study, but make sure you go back and read the whole story. Um, We're not going to do it today because it it would take too long, but we're going to abstract the main points. And if you go back and read it, I'm sure that you're going to find new and wonderful things. So how to increase your faith. Number one, to increase your faith, you have to surround yourself with people of faith. Let me say that again. To increase your faith, you have to surround your people of faith. You might be surprised by this first point. You know, we might be thinking, really? What do other people have to do with my faith? Well, the people around you can help you increase your faith or they can shrink it. Others, especially those closest to us, rub off on us. Others impact you. Others impact your behavior, what you believe, what you do. Let me say it in a more simple way. We become like those that surround us. You will become, in fact, you are the sum of your closest friends. Let me show you a few scriptures uh, where we can clearly see that the people around us impact and shape what we believe, how we behave, and who we are. Look at what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You can be a good person, but if you surround yourself with bad company, your character will be corrupted. Then Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with those easily angered or you may learn their ways. That's, I think that's pretty plainly and well said. But let's look at a positive example in Proverbs 13, 23. Look at what the Bible tells us. It says, wise friends will make you wise. The people around us have an impact on us. So because that's true, listen to me, choose your friends, 
Choose your closest circle wisely. Choose them carefully. Those closest to you will impact the way you think. They will impact your faith. And if you want to increase your faith, you got to surround yourself with people of faith. If you surround yourself with people who have a stronger faith, let me tell you, your faith is going to get stronger and bigger. If you surround yourself with people who do not have faith, whatever faith you have will die. People ask all the questions, or at least they've asked me as a pastor. They've said, Pastor, where can I find good mentors? Where can I find people that can shape my life and elevate me? You know, I I truly believe that we have great people in our churches, that we have great mentors in our churches. But I also believe that you can find great mentors in books. Yes, that's right, in books. Great personalities who have left their wisdom in books. One of my favorite mentors is the German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm inspired by his life. I'm inspired by his way of thinking. I'm inspired because he lived during the times of Hitler. But you know, the best mentors are found in the Bible. And this is another benefit in reading and spending time in the word of God. God left them so that we could learn from them. And one of the people that God left as a mentor is this centurion. God left him. And the reason he's, he's part of the story that's recorded in the Bible, it's so that you and I could be inspired, instructed, and impacted by his examples. You want your faith to increase? You want your faith to grow? Surround yourself with people of faith. But second, number two, to increase your faith, you got to place your faith in God. Now, I know many of you know this, but the truth is that many of us don't really understand what that means and even less practice putting our faith in God. Let's get into the story and you'll, you'll know what I mean by that. In Matthew 8, 5 and 7, we're going to begin to read the story of this man whose faith amazed Jesus. And look at what verses 5 and 7 says. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer, a Roman officer. Now, that's why Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all Israel. Because this guy was a Gentile. This guy was, quote unquote, not a Christian. Or he was not a churchgoer. He was not a religious person. But we're going to find out more about it. But look at what it says. A Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Now, let me point out a few things about this man. The first thing is that we know that he was a Roman officer, a centurion. A centurion, this Roman officer was a military leader and he had a hundred soldiers under his command. So he was somebody of rank. He was somebody who had achieved a certain status in his life. He was somebody important. But there's two really interesting, wonderful things about this man that I want you to have in mind as you read that passage. Number one is that this Roman officer goes to Jesus. See, the Roman Empire was the reigning empire at that time. And this Roman officer could have had 
Jesus come to him or at least asked. But we read that he goes to Jesus. Not only does he go to Jesus, but the second thing is that he calls Jesus Lord. And in fact, he does that twice. He calls Jesus Lord. He could have addressed him as rabbi, as teacher, but no, he calls him Lord. Now, this is significant because in the, in the Roman Empire, Caesar was the highest authority. Caesar was like God. And every Roman citizen had to plead loyalty to Caesar. So to call Jesus Lord is to place Jesus above Caesar whom he served. And that is why we can say that this Roman, that this Roman uh, centurion placed his faith in God because he went to Jesus Because he called Jesus Lord. See, why have faith in God? Well, because we all have faith, but not everyone places their faith in God. Surely you've heard inspiring stories of people who have had amazing faith in themselves. People who've trusted in themselves and had the courage to bring about extraordinary change to their surroundings, to our lives. People who have had faith in themselves and build great companies out of nothing. People who rely on their talents and are able to reach the top of the sports world. People who overcome their failures and succeed in spite of the setbacks. People who, who despite their, 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 their poverty level, they believe in themselves and they climb great levels of economical success. And these stories are motivating. These stories are inspiring. But here's the danger of those stories. They are all based on people who place their faith on a person, on a desire, on a notion, or on a philosophy. Not on God. And listen, you can have faith in yourself. You can have faith in other people. You can have faith in something. But the best place to place your faith is in God. Let me say that again. The best place to place your faith is in God. If you want to have great faith, you got to remove your faith from yourself and you got to place it in God. You got to, you got to, if you want the kind of faith that can move mountains and tell trees to, to throw themselves in the sea, you need to place your faith in God because faith in God is what connects us to the God that can transform our lives, that can renew our minds, that can heal diseases, that can break addictions, that can restore relationships, that can bring peace to the depressed soul, that can supply all of our needs, that can empower us for daily living and can give us eternal life. Let me tell you something. Only faith in God can give you access to God, can give you access to the God that can do those things. If you believe in yourself, you can reach certain heights, but you can never reach the highest place because that only happens when we place our faith in God. And if you want your faith to increase, move it from yourself and place it in God. Third thing, To increase your faith, you got to apply the word of God. Let's continue reading the story of the centurion. And look at what verses 8 and 9 says of Matthew 8. It says, but the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. 
Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officer and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slave, do this, they do it. Now, no wonder, no wonder this Roman officer amazed Jesus. Not only did he go to Jesus, not only does he call him Lord, but he recognizes the authority and power in his words. And let me tell you something. God's word still has power and authority today. God's power was not just for when Jesus was here or for when the Bible was being written. No, no, no. God's word still has power and authority today. Look at what the book of Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 tells us. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Listen, it isn't until you get in this book and you spend some time with God that you see how God uses his written word to speak to you, to bring life to you, to give you strength, to give you power. Look at what Isaiah 55 11 says, it says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose, the purpose for which I sent it. Listen, God's word, it's not just instructional. God's word, it's not just inspiring. God's word is alive and powerful. And when you live according to the word of God, you will unleash the power of God in your life. Sadly, many people today are, are living, believing a lie. And they're bound because of it, because they believe a lie. Their life is bound. Their future is bound. The best of God is bound. And the Bible tells us that the devil is the father of lies. And he comes to us and he comes to me and he comes to you. And he puts lies in our mind. He tells us that we're failures, that we're useless, that nobody sees us, that nobody cares about us, that we're never going to change, that we're never going to get out of the hole that we're in, that we're in. And if you believe those lies, they're going to take over your heart. They're going to fill your heart and your mind and they're going to produce negativity. They're going to produce sadness. They're going to produce despair, depression and destruction. Other people are living according to their feelings. And listen, if you live according to your feelings, your life is going to be an elevator. It's going to be a roller coaster. You're going to go up and down, up and down. And there isn't going to be stability in your relationships, in your work, or in any area of your life. Because our feelings are not reliable. Our feelings tell us what we feel now. But they don't always tell us what we should feel. And not everything we feel is true. Others are living according to what they think. And if you live according to what you think, you're going to lose the direction in your life. Why? Well, easy, because we don't always think correctly. If you have bad thoughts, you're going to have a disorderly behavior. If you have dirty thoughts, that's going to lead you to a dirty behavior. If you have violent thoughts, that's going to lead you to being a violent person. If you have negative thoughts, that's going to make you sad and depressed. But listen. There is power in the truth. If 
If you want to live above your feelings, if you want to live above your thoughts, if you want to live above the lies of the enemy, you need the truth and there's power in the truth. And God's word is truth. And when you apply it to your life, it will set you free. You know, before a balloon is filled with helium, it has no life. A balloon is dead without helium. However, when helium fills the balloon, the balloon now has the potential to fly high, to go to high altitudes. But most of the time, when you and I, we go by balloons, those balloons are not flying around because the vendor has, has tied them down to keep them in the ground. Many Christians are aware of the power of the word of God. But many Christians have the word of God even inside of them, but they're still tied down. They have the potential to fly high, but like those balloons, they cannot because they're tied down. And listen, it is when you start applying the word of God in your life that you're going to experience the power to fly high. And when you begin to apply the word of God, you're going to see God's power. And when you see it, that is going to encourage you to believe and to apply more and more of his word. And that is going to increase your faith. And then last but not least, the fourth and last point, if you want to increase your faith, you got to act on what you believe, not what you see. You got to act. You got to take steps. You got to take action, not on what you can see, but on what you believe. Look at what the Bible says in that passage that we read in Matthew 8, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believe it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Let me recap. So this Roman officer comes to Jesus and he comes looking for him. And he says, Lord, my young servant is sick. Can you heal him? And he says, but Jesus... I don't need you to go to my home. I'm not worthy of having you in my home. If you simply say the word, your word has power. And I know this because even I as a human have power. And if you say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus responds to that statement by saying, because you believe it has happened. And the Bible tells us the centurion believed and he began to head home. Now, here's what you got to keep in mind. The centurion did not see the miracle. He did not have a cell phone. He could not email them. He could not Zoom them and do a meeting to see if his servant had been healed. He had to believe it by faith. And because he believed it, he was able to head home with the assurance that his servant had been healed because Jesus had said so. Now, faith receives God's promises and begins to take steps towards fulfilling them. Faith, if you truly believe, then you need to take steps, even if they're small steps, as small as a mustard seed, towards what you believe that God will do or has already done. If you believe the vision that God has given you about your future, begin to take steps towards your faith now. If you're a young person and you believe God has called you to something significant, then begin taking steps towards that. Begin applying to those colleges. Begin applying to those programs. 
If, you're, if, you, if you believe that God has given you a dream, a hope of owning a business and you're saying, you know, but these are bad times and I've tried before, but you know God has called you, begin to take steps towards what you believe God has called you to do. Listen, you will not see it if you do not first believe it. That's why it's called faith. Reminds me of a story. It says that in a, in a farming community, it hadn't rained in a really, really long time. And things were getting desperate. So the mayor decided to call a prayer meeting. And he asked all the religious people in that town to come together and pray so that God could send rain. And he told them, well, now, I don't want to just open it up to all religions. He says, in fact, I want to ask you to bring your religious um, artifacts, to bring something symbolic to this prayer meeting. So Christians went and they took their Bibles. Catholics brought the rosaries and they all got together and they prayed. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And after they prayed, no rain was in sight. So they all went home. They all went defeated. They all left discouraged. But the story says that the following day, a little boy showed up to the city square where the prayer meeting had been held the day before. And he began to pray. And he began to say, God, would you open the heavens? Would you send rain upon our land? And the story says that as this little boy was praying, the, the sky began to get dark. Thunder began to rumble. And when they least knew it, it was pouring rain. Now, why was it that all these religious people had gotten there before and they had brought their Bibles and they had brought the rosaries and they had brought all these religious artifacts and nothing had changed? What was it about this boy that made his prayer effective? I'll tell you what it was. The story says that when this little boy came to pray, he also brought an artifact with him. He brought an umbrella and he brought the umbrella because he truly believed that it was going to rain. And that's what faith is. And that's what we need to do. Listen, when, when meteorologists tell us that it's going to rain, I see people taking umbrellas and heavy coats and, and getting ready for rain. And many times, and if you're a meteorologist, um, I'm not attacking you, but many times they're wrong. They do the best they can and they're wrong many times, but we believe them. Why is it that when it comes to God, who is never wrong, we hesitate to believe and act on his word? When you read that passage in Matthew 8, you're going to find that the centurion's account ends with the words of Jesus saying, because you believe it, believed it has happened. The story of the centurion ends because you believed it has happened. Question, how will your story end? I want to tell you that your story could end the same way. Where it can be said of you because she believed, because he believed it happened. And God invites you to believe and see the great things that he wants to do in your life. So if you want to increase your faith, Surround yourself with people of faith. Place your faith in God. Apply the word of God and act on what you believe, not on what you see. Let me conclude with this. I began by sharing a quote with you and I want to end by sharing that quote with you. And that quote says, 
Faith is, is taking steps today that will guide me to the best of God for my future. And I want to emphasize taking steps today. I want to invite you. I believe God is inviting you to take a step of faith today. And there's two, te- two types of steps you can take. The first is for those of you that are believers already. Those of you who already have Jesus as Lord. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to choose one step that you're going to take this week. Maybe it's going to be to find some good friendships. If you're a teenager, maybe you know that if you keep hanging around with the friends you have, you're not going to go to college. You're not going to finish high school. Or maybe, you know, if, if you're married uh, and you keep hanging around those single people, that's going to destroy your marriage. Maybe your step is to find a new circle of friends. Or maybe the step of faith that you need to take is to remove your faith from you or anything else and place it on God. Begin to place all your trust in God. Or a step is to apply the word of God. Maybe there's a specific thing that God has said to you or a specific thing that you know that the word of God says that you are not applying and that is the step that you need to take today. Or maybe your step is to act on your faith, on your hope and not on your circumstances. To start living differently because of what you believe and stop living the way you're living because of what you see. And if you already have Jesus as Lord, you could take a step. We all can take a step towards bigger, stronger faith. But the second step is for those of you that do not have Jesus as Lord. And the step that you need to take is the step of receiving him. Like the centurion, you need to come to him and you need to make him your Lord. You know, I'm reminded of a story of a blind girl who was caught in a 10-story building while it was on fire. And while she could not see, she made her way to the window where she heard many voices and the firefighter uh, was shouting to her and and, and he said to her, throw yourself, we will catch you. When she said, no, I can't, I, 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 I'm afraid, I, I, I can't do it. And she said, and, and the firefighter says, throw yourself. If you don't, you're going to die. Take the risk and jump. Now listen, it's bad enough to have to jump from a 10-story building, but to jump when you cannot see anything or where you're jumping, that's got to be terror. And in the midst of all these voices, Uh, screaming at her, giving her instruction. She heard the voice that said, darling, jump. I got you. And at that moment, she smiled and she said, okay, daddy, I'll jump. Jesus is inviting you to take a step to him. He knows you're nervous, but just take the step. He knows you're scared, but just take the step. Remember, Jesus is someone who loves you. We're talking about someone who knows you. And it may be scary. It may be uncertain. But it definitely is a step of faith. And let me tell you, as somebody who's done that, it is a step worth taking. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go... 
we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.